Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by Ollie Green. Good afternoon, or good morning, Ollie, I should say. How you doing, Pete? Um, thanks very much for the opportunity to come on your um, your podcast. It really means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Listen, Ollie, give us a bit of background. Who are you? What are you doing? Where are you from? Yeah, so Ollie Green, I'm from Mullingar in County Westmead. Um, we have, um, I have a, a seaweed business, um, organic fertilizing business, um, nutrition business, and um, also I deal with a lot of property as well. So I'm, I'm quite busy, and I suppose my passion, you know, the one thing, you know, is, is health, fitness, and um, nutrition, nutrition, health, and fitness. That, that's my, my big passion in life. Is that, that's what it's all about. So I, I love keeping healthy. I love growing my own vegetables and I love sharing that with other people as well. So that, that's where I'm at. Very good. So give us a bit of back. I mean, you talk about seaweed. That's that's not a normal conversation as such. You talk, talk give us a bit of background to seaweed then. Yeah. So I suppose where it started from me, you know what I mean? Like seaweed obviously, you know, has been used for centuries in this country, you know, as, as to go through fertilizer and you know, even in, you know, only in Ireland, but you know, the Scotland, Wales, and all that had a great abundance of it. And the benefits obviously are huge for, you know, let it be humans, animals, and fertilizing your land. I suppose what got me into it, I'm a, a sort of, I suppose, a nerdy enough sort of person. I love surfing and stuff like that. So I, I was growing my own vegetables many years ago, and I was always looking for a really good fertilizer, something that would hit the mark. And obviously, live, living in Westmead now, we don't have. The ocean doesn't come in that far. So I used to be up and down surfing. So I said, I started bringing home my own seaweed. I used to bring a couple of barrels now and I go and surfing on every week and I'd fill them up with seaweed and I'd bring it home, put them on my beds. And I could see the difference it was making. And then I started making my own liquid. And that was turned out like that was a, <laughs> it was a funny thing. It was gas because of these barrels and you're filling it full of seaweed and a bit of water and next thing the barrels are expanding and they're nearly causing an explosion, obviously with the combustion inside and um, the breaking down. So that wasn't working out the very finest for me. So, but the benefits, everything I could see was the benefits of the plant. Every time I put the liquid on, every time I used the mulch, my plants were greener, everything was growing better. So I suppose then, you know, I had to find an easier way of doing it. And I wanted to find a company that was going to provide me with what I want, because, you know, when I'm growing my own vegetables, Pete, I need them to be, you know, I'm eating them, my family's eating them, so I don't want any rubbish on it. I don't need chemicals on because that's the part of growing my own vegetables that I'm getting away from chemicals, you know, preservatives and all that that's been put on crops. So I suppose then I went in search and, you know, I looked at what's out on the market. and I just wasn't happy what I found, you know, every product I found off the shelf. Yes, it says contain seaweed, contain that, but actually when you actually look at the ingredients, they had a lot more additives and preservatives and the way it was produced. So after months, I found, I found this company that had this really, really unique way of developing the seaweed. 
it was all hand harvested and it was done really, really ethically as well, which really suited me that they weren't just pulling it out of the ground or so or out of the, the ocean. So what to do is to hand harvest and it's a, it's a really unique and, and old method of doing it, but they're to hand harvest it and they do it plot by plot. So they do one section of the ocean and then they'll leave that for six months and they'll move on to the next one. So then that had time to come back because it's renewable source like. So then they bring it in and it's brought in and it's hand chopped and then it's put into what to call a cold, a gentle extraction process. So there's no heat involved. So you're getting all the goodness of the seaweed in the liquid. So it, it's really, it's, it's as close to the, you know, to the raw material as you can get. You're not losing any of the goodness because a lot of other companies, what to do to get the dried granular and to bring it in and to heat it, to boil it. And you're going to lose a certain amount of goodness out of that. Obviously, heat will do that anyway. So, and that the, the one we have, it's really, really lovely, lovely green, olivey color. So, and then when you spray it on your plants, the results are just outstanding. Like they're amazing for what the results we're getting from it. And well, that's stating the well. I, I don't know. I mean, is seaweed essentially a plant, but it's in the sea? I mean, is it a yeah. so photosynthesizes that everything that a normal plant on land does? Does it? It does absolutely, and I suppose because uh, as with seaweed is, is quite unique because if you think of it, it's in the water for over twelve hours a day, and then it's actually out of the water for the equivalent amount of time with tidals and stuff like that. So you get it has an extreme, you know, it's getting the extreme of the extreme of the elements, like because it's in really really cold cold water. That's where the Pacific ones we would use, the knotted seaweed, and it only grows in really really cold climates. And the Atlantic, the Atlantic Ocean is perfect for it. So th that's why it has that protective mechanism in it and it's able to regrow very quickly as well. That's the, um, the brilliance of it. I mean, is, is seaweed seasonal? Does it grow better at certain times of the year? Or? No, it, 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 it grows all year round. There's no, because the temperature of the Atlantic Ocean doesn't really, you know, it goes up and down, but it doesn't take a dramatic up and down. Yeah. You know what I mean? It kind of stays, you know, you could, it, it doesn't, it could be 14 or 15 degrees, but it doesn't, it doesn't go really, really cold. Like, so it, it's not, it grows all year round. There's no issues with it. Oh, there you go. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, it feels like it's an untapped territory as such, but you were saying it's a, it's a huge business in Ireland, really, isn't it? It's a multi-billion dollar business in Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it, it's a huge export market. And I suppose, like, it's only when you're in the, in the industry yourself, you see, you know, the amount of people using it for, edible seaweed for humans the cattle feed and you know the liquid fertilizer because if you think of it a lot of the food you're eating anyways you know if you really read down through it at some stage there's, there's seaweed in it you know what i mean to use it in a lot of ingredients in, in different foods and um, soups and everything else that people use because it, it has that little flavor as well and then you know it it has that other for animals and stuff like that has a brilliant um iodine in it as well and trace elements in it that really really benefits you know people's skin animal skins the health because it's all it's it's all full of you know the there's over you know 20 25 different minerals and vitamins in seaweed and they're the only ones they know about at the moment because when we would go on a course about the seaweed and that the scientists will always tell us it's nearly what they don't know in it they don't know what's in it is doing the good because every year they come out oh we're after finding this in it now and we're after finding that and that would contribute to this so it's it's excellent, you know. It's it's ever evolving for what it's doing. Like that's awesome. So, uh, 
Well, I suppose, listen, before we get into it, I mean, tell us, well, first of all, what, what does fire in the belly mean to you? Fire in the belly to me is life. Life gives me a fire in the belly. Um, that living, you know, that's that's my fire in the belly. I love what I do. I'm lucky about, you know, I love getting up, getting out and looking after me. That, that, that's really, really important to me. That's, that's, you know, it's all that living and, I was saying to someone recently, you know, I I, lo- I love climbing, I love running, and you know, every morning I get up and have a cold shower, and you know, first thing I get up and have a cold shower. If I'm out, if I'm out, like I've no problem jumping into a river or a lake, because I love that sense of shock that you're, my God, I'm alive, you know, you know, it's a sense of like I remember coming down from Sleeve Sleeve Donard, we were climbing, we were climbing a couple of times a year, was coming down. There's lovely little river at the bottom, like it was snow on the top. Nicest one of the guys with me. I said, oh, bring your togs with your swimming togs. There's a lovely pool at the end. He had envisioned this lovely um, swimming pool at the end of it. <laughs> and he says, where's the pool? And I says, in there. And I says, about like, and we were going up like it was minus three on the clock. Like, but then um, God, we stripped off it, tongue down into this water. But it was just invigorating. It would just give you that life lift of, my God, you know, this is, I'm alive. Like, but that's for me, that's my fire in the belly is, is being alive and, and looking at the beauty of, what's around us has that has that always been something for you Ollie? i mean is this something that's developed over time um i suppose in one sense it always was um you know i grew up you know close enough to water and stuff like that but it i suppose it developed with time in the last maybe you know as you get older you know and i i didn't really i was thinking of this at the weekend like when i, I do a lot of running and i find it's very good for thinking and clearing thoughts but i was really thinking like there was a time in my life pete and I, I didn't really discuss this with too many i don't think i ever told anyone but like i was living in australia and i was there for six years i'm i was doing quite well i was at a stage where i was drunk six nights a week and that went on for a long long time I was smoking 60 fags a day. 60? 60, close to it because I was smoking one after another. That's probably during weekends. During like most weekdays, the boxes there were 25 fags in a box, like the big box we used to get to Winfield Gold. And you'd always have a box gone and nearly half gone. And you'd always, you know, because you're a smoker, the smokers would know you'd never let yourself run out of fags. So you always had nearly two boxes on the go. Like, and, you know, it got to a stage where I don't know what happened. It was like, I don't know whether it was a case I was just unhappy or what it was over there, but I, I was just seemed to be just got on this treadmill. Like I went for like, and I used to go a bit surfing over there as well, but it seems I went through a whole, that went on for probably maybe close to a year, maybe or not even maybe nine, eight, nine months. And then I just got the realization, God, I'm not happy. I have to make a change here, you know, and the change was, and the change was I had to just get out of there you know, and change my circumstances. You know, I was I was physically working, you know what I mean? But I was going in, I was working. I was going in straight after work and we were drinking and having fun. And then it was just, um, you know, and then there was obviously other substance being taken as well, but not on a severe level. But th- that seemed to be it. And, you know, I, I couldn't see much more to my life than then, you know. And then when I left Australia... I'd actually I got great advice one time and, you know, it might serve some of the listeners, you know, because I was talking to a good, really good friend of mine. He used to do a lot of diving with um, Liam Allen. And I was telling Liam to crack. I'd kind of decided then, you know, giving up the drink and we get to get together, get myself together and get a few quid and 
save up a few quid and get home. And so I got focused and started, you know, give up the drink. And I was saying to Liam, you know, I'm kind of lost. What, what do I do? You know, and he says, look, I just, you know, he said, are you happy here? And I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm not happy because if I was happy, I wouldn't be drinking so much. And I'm, again, the thing about it is, even towards the end of my, you know, when I was drinking that heavily, I started getting, I, I'm not a person that starts fights. I'm not a person to get into fights. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very much, I, I try and solve an argument rather than, I don't like confrontation and I don't like arguments or stuff like that. And I found myself getting into these situations where I was, you know, and I was thinking, God, this is not me. Like, So when I was giving up the drink, I got talking to Liam and he said, look, it's, you just need to find that place where you're happy. You know, let it be. He says, keep traveling. Don't stop till you find it. And I think that's so true. You know, and I, I did. And I, I, that's, I really, it always stuck in my head, you know, because there's somewhere out there for everyone. You know, some, you just have to go and look for it. And, you, you know, if it's not here, you have to go, you know, let it be a job, let it be where you're living, let it be a country, whatever it may be, a relationship. You know, if you keep looking and the will is there to look for it and want for it, I believe you will find it, you know. So I, I came home and it was easy enough to have a job because I came home sort of mid toward the end of the boom here. Like I came home to a new Ireland. Like it was just, my God, it was, um, I left in the recession and um, everybody was just booming. I couldn't believe it. So I got a job quite quickly and life was really good. I was living a good life here. And, but um, I still, and then, you know, again, I just wasn't content, so I, I moved again. I, I said I'd go up to Boston for a while, and um, I lived there for a while. And that again, like that, that Boston was really good because it was different. Um, you know, it was I really liked it. At the start, it wasn't Sydney because Sydney was really a place I loved. I, I loved Sydney. I loved the outdoors, and um, I loved the fact, you know what I mean, that people didn't look at you you know what i mean there wasn't that sense of you know when you grow up in ireland sometimes it's what the neighbors think or what this thinks people in sydney you know they didn't care you could go out down the street naked and no one had blat an eyelid at you and, you know that's not that i did but you know and then when i went to boston it kind of was the irish community again and or i felt you know everyone knew what you were doing all the time or everyone seemed to care what you were doing all the time you know and it was it was a strange thing to do but I, I, again i really got to love boston I got really good experience over there. And then again, it was time to pack up my bags. And I said, look, it's time to move back home and see what happens. And, um, you know, definitely probably one of the better decisions in my life, you know, of, of moving moving home again and um, starting up my own carpenter. Because I was in construction then, Pete, you see, I was doing, I was a carpenter and I was doing a lot of construction work. So it was, it was always easy, no matter where you went, it was always easy to get work anyways. And then, I was quite good worker and good at what I'd done anyway. So it was easy for to get a job and to get paid reasonably good money. So I, I came home back to Ireland then, and that was around 2002, back from Boston, 2003, around that time. And um, yeah, things kind of ups and downs in, in life as they are. But um, I've, um, I got, I suppose, um, got a good bit of work and then I met my wife now and you know she she she's been such an inspiration to me luckily enough you know and probably kept me in the straight and narrow as well in some sub respects and um I suppose when I was home you know throughout life and I often thought again of running you know yeah I always seem to just get a perspective on what went on in past times like I 
like I, I spoke on a radio show one time, like I remember when I was probably 17, 18, I used to do a lot of fishing and um, and I, it was, I didn't realise at the time, you know, I was suffering badly from depression. Like, And I went out on the lake one time, I, was about, I definitely was about 17, because it was just before I went to Australia, 18. And um, it was really, really wild, windy day, and I had a light little boat, and I put on the little car I had at the time, and I drove it down to the lake, and I said, look, it, it was that bad, I was bringing the, the boat out to the lake every time I saw it go from the oars to get back to the, where the engine was, and I'd be blown back into shore and I'd oar back out and the way of people was coming up, the boat was coming up and I was just said, no, take me. Just, this will be it. It is easy. Reckon the waves are going to do the job for me. I don't even have to put any effort in here. And uh, I kept going up to the lake. It's this place called Nakain and um, the waves are just, the wind was thundering down. But luckily enough, <laughs> I pull into some reeds up above at the lake and I just calmed down. I found a calm area and I just had another think about it. And I said, oh, look, at um, I better head home here. So I, I um, you know, and it was, it was after that then I went to Australia. You know, again, I needed a change of scenery. I just, for something, you know, it was just up there. And again, you know, I suppose during the Australia time, and I think that probably led me to a lot of the drinking as well, maybe was that sense of not being happy, the depression over there as well. What was the trigger for that, Ollie, if you don't mind me asking? Pardon? What was the trigger for that? You know something, and <laughs> it's actually funny because um, there was no real trigger. I don't think, whether I, you know, I would have analysed myself. And I think I went to a counsellor one time and his whole focus on who's causing this. And I said, well, there's no one causing it, like, and it, like, as my father said, funny enough, because I'd, I'd done a, an article on the local paper there recently, or they'd done an article on me, to, and I was just telling them the story, but, you know, the father rings me up and he goes, oh, yeah, sure, look, at we all, sure, it, it's in the family. And um, with the best will in the world, he says, oh, sure, wasn't your great auntie locked up in a mental institution <laughs> for many of the year, like, and I said, oh, yeah, no, that's um, perfect, just what I need to hear, like. But I, I think I think sometimes it is, you know, somewhat maybe it's hereditary or, you know, it can mm. be. Like, I, I, like, we didn't have much growing up, but we had a lot. You know, we had really good parents, you know, that gave us good direction. Like, we didn't have money-wise, we didn't have a lot, but we, we never wanted for anything. And our parents were very good. Like, I don't have any, you know, and no incident that happened in my childhood. I could say, boy, oh, yeah, this person done that. Yes, there was certain things that happened that wasn't that nice, maybe along the way, but nothing that would have triggered. I would say, oh, yeah, A, B or C would have ticked it. It was just something, I believe, some sort of an imbalance or something. Or maybe sometimes it can be, maybe it's just a lack of direction. You know, sometimes it can be that. And that's why, you know, I find now sport, running, nutrition, it, it gives a different focus to life. You know what I mean? So so now, you know, you, you have an outlet for it because it's something, you know, I believe it's always there and it, it's finding a way of managing it for for you or for me. It's for me managing it, you know, is going for that run. Like, because um, I was only talking to a friend of mine recently, actually we were out cycling together last week and 
I would tell him, you know, fast forward a few years, like I, I was standing, like, I probably don't know whether to jump onto that now, but we're on the, the road of depression. So a few years later, then I'm home and I started getting this really, really bad sense of, you know, I, again, I think our little one was maybe two or three at the time. And I just went into this lull of depression again. And I, again, it went on for uh, maybe six, eight months where I could look at myself in the mirror piece and not see myself in front of me. And that's how I felt. And I was telling Martin, you know, I remember going into this um, Chinese acupuncture one and she said to me in her voice, I won't even try to do her. You know, she said, you look like dead. She said, that's how you look. You were dead man walking. That's what she said to me. You look like dead. What is wrong with you? And I said, I have no idea. So I kind of I got to a stage then and I was. Um, I had enough. And it is the strange thing. I said, this is it. And I just went down to a shed and lo and behold, it was after I had um, I had a stack of ropes. Subconsciously, I was putting them there. I didn't know they were there. They were there. So I went down to this big oak tree at the back of the house there, beautiful oak tree. And I said, I had no phone, I had nothing on me. And I said, you know, I was walking on the field, you know, and I was, I had, everything seemed to have been set up. I don't know why, but, you know, I don't remember and i was at the stage of you know this 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 could be the end of it you know or this you know i'm going to do this or whatever what were you thinking and um i remember getting up into little steps and uh, i was thinking to myself you know if there's someone there that would be a good time you know just and i suppose i got what i, I don't know whether it was a voice or something, and it was me. I got the realization, the only person to fix this was me. So very quickly, and I went down, there were building a new road beside me, I went up to the mound of clay and I just cried and I 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 cried. And you know, whatever it was, and it was just that thing, it was just that second of making the decision not to do it one split second and I said and said it was not you know because I was looking for I don't know an answer I don't know what I was looking for but it was like but it was something at subconscious something came into my mind I'm the only one that can sort this out if you're looking for help look to yourself and I do believe that and that's when I had to change so I went home and I promised myself this is never going to happen again I'm never going to be in this situation again and thankfully, touch wood, many years later, and, you know, you have your good days and your bad days, but you manage it, you know what I mean? You don't get into that that, that bad of a state. And um, I didn't talk about it. I didn't tell anyone for years. And um, I was over a mechanic mind there. And we were going, like, we, we had a beautiful house with two nice cars outside, beautiful daughter, but I didn't see any of that. And I was over my mechanic one morning and... Um, and this is, you know, I think this is for any of listeners as well. You know, judging people can always be um, an injustice to um, to everyone, you know, yourself included, because the judge, the judge being the judge or, you know, the person you're judging, because I was over and um, I met Jimmy and I was walking out of his garage and I had a lovely, beautiful Lexus car. And um, 
he'd mumble something after me, like, oh, it's all right for you over there. And I went, normally I'd brush something like that off. And I, I was just in a humor. And I said, what did you say, Jimmy? And he goes, oh, it's all right for you over there. And I says, how do you mean it's all right for me over there? Oh, but you're a new car, two new cars and great business. And I said, all right. And I said, Jimmy, what the F would you know about what's going on in our lives? I said, seriously. And he said, oh, no, sure. I said, and I just blumbled it out. I said, Jimmy, three weeks ago, I was standing under that. Oh, I said, do you know that beech tree down, or the oak tree down the back of my head? I was standing it up with a rope around my neck only three weeks ago or more, whatever it was. It might have been a bit longer. And I said, um, and I suppose after thinking about it, I knew he was had his own issues. And I felt, you know, subconsciously, maybe I felt, you know, maybe if he knows that I'm going through his journey, it might be as bad. But I said, look at, and it's glass. And he said, oh God, I never knew that all your night. I said, look at, it's, it's not your fault. I'm not, you don't take this, you know, I'm not, you've just been the wrong person at the wrong time, Jimmy, and I'm sorry about that, you know. So I, anytime I meet him now, I'll, after that, he'd always meet and he said, uh, how are you, Holly? How are you keeping? I said, sure. I'm keeping away from the oak tree. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing pretty okay. Like, so that that was the, the story there with that. So it is all about, you know, that was that was my journey. But definitely managing that part of it for me was, um, you know, because it's easy, you know, sometimes people would say, oh, sure, and ring me and tell me or reach out and, you know, I, and I have, you know, I have really good friends and that I was really, really blessed all my life. Like I had such good friends and I have today, like I've friends come back since we're childhood, you know, and I just seem to have really good, good friends that I'm always grateful for friends, you know, and I put a lot of focus and I suppose gratitude to, to my friends, you know, because I can, I can reach out anytime, but sometimes it's hard to lift and say, because you can't explain what you're going through or what they're through. But it's it's only like because I was I was talking to um that's of getting back to Cycle with Martin last week and I told him probably two or three years ago the whole story. And uh, it was only then he started opening up about his own journey. And we were cycling the other night and he was telling me again of what happened in his journey and and I was um I was telling him, you know it sounds a lot like, you know, his journey was, and I says, would have anything been to do with what people think? And he says, nearly 90% of it. You know, he was in bother with some property and other stuff. And he says, you know, that's what it was. It was, you know, what this person taught. And the person, you know, he says, Gareth, and you know, this talking to you in a few minutes later, and he says, you know something, that person doesn't even like me and I don't even like them. And honestly, I don't really care what they think. But at the time, it was an issue. And I think that for people, you know, sometimes we were afraid to do things because what other people think or we're afraid to just make that move because, you know, but think, you know, if you're going in the right direction, you know, I think the universe or someone will open the doors to allow you to get there. You know, but, but it is a case of finding finding your your path your journey you know whatever that may be you know because um you know it's it's not um you know it's it's not it's not one it's not a one thing fits all you know that that's what i believe and don't stop you know i think as liam allen told me don't and i always put that into every aspect of my life you know 
you know, if you're suffering from depression or you have some form of other thing going on with you, it may not be depression, it could be stomach issues, it could be weight issues, and you might not get the results where you're getting them. Don't stop looking. Keep looking and keep believing that there is something out there that's going to sort this out. Let it be, you know, if, if you're taking, like, I know, and I was going through all that, like, like I was taking, the, I used to call them the happy pills, and I talked to them once or twice, and I, I knew they weren't for me, like, I knew they weren't doing, I had to look for something else, you know, I had to look at a way of managing this better, and that's what I did, like, and I, I've done a lot of, my, my wife is a homeopath as well, so that was a gift as well, because, you know, I now had, you know, I had another avenue to explore. And I felt, you know, that was a huge, huge. And in the garden end of things as well, you know, watching watching things grow, you know, that whole season of thing. When you plant a plant, Pete, you know, you're going to say, well, look, I have to take care of this. This going on the table in X amount of time. You're watching it grow. You're nurturing it. You're, you know, and, you know, and I was on the, I was like, I don't know where I was talking to someone recently and I was saying, you know, the garden is a little bit like your mind, you know, if you don't take care of the weeds, they're going to take over. And that's what happened to me for years. I just wasn't taking out the weeds. I was, um, I was letting them take over and I wasn't planting the right plants in there that were going to produce the goods. So I suppose um, that was um, the big thing for me and the learning curve was just to bring it, bring it to a new level. And just keep keep that focus, you know. And I went on like I went on to you know ran the New York Marathon and done done the cycle, you know, from um, and they were all challenged, you know, at Scarf because uh, you know I done this cycle from Paris, Brest, Paris was twelve hundred and thirty kilometer cycle, and I love them type of things, you know, because it just it seems to bring you that little bit further. Like I don't know, look at thousands of people do the marathons every year, but. Everyone seems to have their own little journey on them. And that's, I love about that. Even the, the group we go cycling with, the long distance stuff, you know, could we go from 200 kilometers, three, four, six. And, you know, when you get talking to the guys, you know, they're sort of, um, you know, everyone has their own little story and, you know, their own little thing they're dealing with. And when you're going, when you're pushing yourself outside the limit of the comfort zone, you know, you, you do plow through a lot of emotional stuff and you do, you know, bring up issues that need to be cleared and, and I think that that's important as well. And, and you know, that's, I suppose that's that aspect of it. But it, it, is, it is something like I was saying, I was running there, that's what I was saying, I was running with Martin. I was running my own. I, go over, I try and do five or six kilometers every morning. And I was just one morning, a couple of months back, I was just running along the next thing. Bang! Next, I got the guy out of bed and I was kind of in iffy enough form. And I said, she's now just beating herself out the door now. And I was like, I can get out. And, I started running anyways and half a through run. I just broke down. I started crying. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I just, and I shook my head and had the two dogs with me every morning. I was looking around and I said, God, you know, if I can just snap out of it now, it ain't going to ruin my day. So I struck and I just plowed on and I said, I got to the van, back to the van. My heart rate was up and, you know, there was a smile in my face, even though I could feel that. And whether, you know, people listening, you know, when you're, if you really are crying for a while, you get that thing around your eyes and you're just, I don't know what it is. It's like a loneliness around the eye. I had that for a couple of hours, but I knew, I knew I had the beating of it. I knew it wasn't going to take over. It wasn't going to get in on me again. It was there. It got out, whatever it was. And the next morning, of course, I would run. I was analyzing. Oh, what's wrong there? <laughs> you know. 
but um, put on a bit of music. But that, that's that's kind of where you um, where you push with it. Well, fair play to you. I mean, I'm curious. I mean, through those sort of you know that episode with the oak tree. I mean, would would anyone you know would anyone from the outside have spotted that? If you know what I mean, because a lot of people, unfortunately, it can be that actually people can be suffering terribly inside, and it's not necessarily apparent on the outside. No, wouldn't know. They would have put on a, a quite a, a brave faith. I think my wife would have known that I was depressed, and you know, obviously because it's going to reflect on your relationship quite badly. You know, you know, but I think the general people would never have, never in a million years would have been. They wouldn't have because I tell you, Peter, well. Um, a while after that, because I'd be quite, you know, people would probably perceive me, oh, nice, easy going fella, you know, dramas about him, you know. And, you know, I remember when I had two brothers and I lived with them in Australia, two really like they were, they were like my brothers, you know what I mean? That's how close we were. And uh, Enda and Dara. Dara again, Enda, Dara says to me, we're going to, we're after having a few drinks. And again, probably maybe six months or a year after this incident, Dara says, oh, again, it was this well for you. You're that easy going and you know and carefree and all this and it hits his, his view of me like and i was you know again i just there here i'm going to tell you something guys right there and i told him the story and and this is the thing one of them rang me the next morning see when you know anytime just ring me i've never heard from their guy again you know, it was just his way to him. He was obviously that shocked and God, you know, fucking. And it was probably two years after he reached out, but never mentioned it again. Where, where the other end will always, you know, never all right, Ollie. How's you know how things going? And you know, don't ever be afraid to lift the call. You know, on the other guy. And I think that's you know, when you'll always meet that good person there that's going to you know lift you up, or you know you can reach out to. And and I think that's. You know, people will deal with it in their own different ways as well. But definitely, I don't think would have people seen it in me. Definitely not. I mm. wouldn't think so. It would have been a massive shock if I did had um, gone through because people wouldn't have had a notion like of what, what was going on. Because I found myself, I found myself during that period of isolating people out of my life. Yeah. No, that that's what I found. I was slowly but surely just moving them on, and that person doesn't like me anymore. Oh, he's this. And dear that and dear daughter and maybe my brother didn't ring me for a couple of weeks then i'm after doing something to upset him and you know what i mean i'm just such a bad person now and what is it and it was just all oh, this stuff going on in mind you know it's just but it wasn't none of it's true like you know it's just it's snowballed so definitely it's um can you pick out the signs i don't know pete um definitely with me you know because it wouldn't have been the case i wouldn't have talked about it and i would have never you know, because I think growing up, like I had a good friend when I was um, 18, before I went to Australia, sorry, but in my 20s, my best friend, like he shot himself. We were out drinking one night and he went home, shot himself. And I kind of, you know, I always kind of had a sense, you know, God, should I, could I have done for him? And I, you know, I've, you know, I've been taught in later life, you know, that could I have done more for him or could I have done something for him to, you know, and but obviously he couldn't because he was going through his own issues and was gone going for 
and you know I, I hope they found his peace you know but that had a big impact in my life because it was something he never talked about but for him you know talking to his parents after they knew was coming you know because he had tried stuff before he never he never told me anything about it and I suppose I never interfered too much either with it you know he'd always say look I just don't ask Ollie you know we're in a different wavelength here and I always appreciate that and I think he appreciated as well that you know he'd someone just to be himself to in one sense as well but it's um you know and I know there are people you know and you know they've tried it a few times so people kind of know then you know the tail signs are there but I think a lot of people it's it's a funny one it's a really really funny one you know because you never know you know who you're dealing with and who's just not in a bad place on a, on a specific day you know it's just but I, I think for people then the message is you know I, I think you know what I mean rather than you know, I think I just don't know what it is. And I've been thinking about it as far as, you know, my journey. Like I had to accept, you know, and I had to take responsibility, you know, and, and say to myself, I need to fix this. So as much as you're, you know, you could be a friend of mine, you could be saying, oh, God, I didn't know he was going through that. But like, it was my responsibility to you, Pete. Look at, you know, it's my life. I have to, I have to take charge here as well you know and let people know and if i don't then you know i i am 100 responsible like because you someone else can't see into my mind but i think you know for people it just if they can you know and that, that's what i would plead with them you know just think what if you know what if before you do it what if you know because I, I think the second after you do it i guarantee if you could look back and you would say oh crap why did we do that <laughs> you know, and I firmly believe that that every single person that goes, ah, that was a mistake, wasn't it? You know, but unfortunately, you know, it's it's um an unreturnable one, you know. It's not the the day-to-day -day one. So that's um what's what were you like as a young fella? Quiet, um probably lacking very much in confidence i would probably as i described myself one time do you know them guys when you meet and be kicking the stones <laughs> i was kind of a stone kicker you know i wouldn't um wouldn't, i was one of 12 children like and um so there was a good a good batch of us in it and um but they like we had like our childhood was good but i definitely just confidence. i wasn't i suppose going to school national school you know there wasn't i probably would have been not I suppose I don't like the word dyslexic, but probably like it really and truly it was. I left secondary school not been very good at spelling, not been very good at reading. You know, I had a good emphasis on math. I was always quite good at math, but reading, spelling, writing was, you know, it's definitely spelling was just a disaster. Like I wouldn't have, yeah, I think even when I was in first, second year in school, actually, you could freaking write me on a dress. Like that's, that's how bad things were. Like. But you know, but you, you got on with, you found your way of, of, of working with it. You know, I, I find like, I could, I could write a hundred pages. If you left me alone, I'll go in there and write your life story. You know, but if you stood there, you know, or if I felt there was someone coming in, judging what I'm doing, or when I'm doing it, I would just stop the first word. I wouldn't spell it like, I, I just, I don't know what it is. I, it's like, you know, I, this thing is someone watching over you. You know, if I'm left to myself, I'll do it. But there's someone watching over me doing it. I find I, I just, I'll just stall and um, 
but in, in time, yeah, definitely as a young person, I was a quiet, shy. Yeah, definitely, I suppose, lacking a bit of confidence, I suppose, was the, the big thing. It's funny, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, how, I mean, how different kids are and, and you know, what, what kids are going through and, you know, good and bad and all the rest, you know, it's, everyone's going through different uh, different things in their lives. You know, it's what, what was Ollie going to do when he grew up? What was the plan? <laughs> yeah, I suppose, look at um, carpentry was always, I suppose, the thing that got me out of school anyways, you know. That is was, that in the family or is that? That would be the family, yeah. My brother was an exceptional carpenter. My father... Father was very good all rounder, you know. He could he could turn his hand to anything, but um, he he had a good enough job in the, the county council here in in, in Westmead. So, but um, as well, carpentry always was, you know, it was always in the blood. But I loved it when I but like it was me out from school. But I loved that sense of um, you know making things, seeing you know looking back and seeing what you've done. That was always a sense of pride, and I was good at it. Like there was no question about it. Um. But I always had this sense, you know, it's something that I won't do forever. You know, I always had that earning to do something else or to be something else. And it wasn't even to be more, to be better than anyone else. It was just to be me, you know, be more of a me. You know, like it wasn't just, uh, you know, and I find what I'm doing now definitely is, it's more me, it's, it's more meaningful. And, you know, to leave that somewhat of a legacy or to leave, I think, you know, actually now, I think you mentioned earlier on, you know, as you get older and, um, you know, you have kind of a more appreciation. And, you know, at now I'm starting to think, you know, if you can leave the start a little bit better than you got it, you know, that you're handing it over mm. next generation a little bit better, you know, and that's what I find, you know, if I can teach some more people to grow their own vegetables organically, that's going, they can pass it on to their children and their children will pass it on to their children. I, I think, you know, that that would be a nice thing to leave behind. Like, you don't need any plaques up, but at least, you know, when I'm gone, I'll know, you know, well, my daughter, because, you know, for me, even, you know, I, I remember my parents, like, we grow all our own vegetables at home. My mother done all the cooking, you know, really, really nice. And, you know, I can always remember the lovely, fresh vegetables. And even to this day, my own vegetables are equally as good, but I still don't get the same... You know, the, the father's early potatoes. And I heard my daughter now, and she said, oh, they're nothing like Granny Jam or Granny's dinners are way better than yours. <laughs> yeah. but that's, you know, but I think that's a lovely thing, though, because she'll grow up and say, my God, the dinner we had or the vegetables, I remember them vegetables the father grew. You know what I mean? And hopefully she'll carry on that and someone else. And I think that's what will drive it, you know, because otherwise, you know, obviously because society is so much kind of processed foods and everything coming out of a package and frozen and this and frozen and that people don't get that sense of you know proper proper tasting of fresh fresh you know fresh foods so yeah. i think if i isn't it it's, it's quite something there because it's interesting you, you had that obviously as a young fella and then obviously you, you sort of time away in Australia which you know which was comes across as certainly wasn't a time of you know healthy food or anything else it was almost the reverse no, actually no. Was, you know it was yeah. a, but do you think that was a self-sabotage thing I mean what's you know whether that's the, the sort of the event with your friend or, or 
do, do you know? It's so hard to know. I think it was definitely down just not being happy anyway. So mm. it could have been a trigger. Like it, it definitely it was just a way of just dealing with, you know, just easy. Uh, you know, I suppose, you, you know, when you're, you know, because in your, I'll call your system 24 hours a day, nearly six, seven days a week. You know, your brain is numb today. Anything that's going on, you just don't, you know, you're just thinking, go in, get the job done and you don't have, you know, and then, you're getting to the stage then where it's harder to get drunk you know what i mean and because your body's pretty used to it so it's um it was i, I think it, it is the case of i mean maybe it, it was disguising something or just getting away from something you know there's no there's no huge definitely i think yeah with me joe joe that time you know killings have had a big impact and things but like i couldn't blame it directly i think it was just down to solely just been you know unhappy and not being content it's, I mean, it's a very young it's a very vulnerable age i think it's maybe the better way of putting it you know whereby unless you really know what you want to do you know you, you're just you're getting by you're finding your fate you're you know you're growing into yourself there's so much going on there and when you get a get a traumatic event thrown into that as well it just throw that into the mix and yeah it's a it's a weird combination right it's a weird combination, yes, absolutely, yeah. Where, where, like, if I was, you know, it's no fault anyway because the opportunities were there. Like, if they was involved in a hurling club or a football club or something like that, that may have been an outlet that I would have been able to deal with things, you know, get us out on a run. But I suppose I wasn't, or I didn't have, you know, not that it wasn't there. I probably didn't see it as an option, another option to to do that. So take us on through then. So I mean, you you came back from Australia then, and did you continue on the joinery side, or then you know when did you did, sort of, yeah. when did you start switching over then? When did you start taking? Um, I was building yeah. So I came home uh, after yeah. So I came home from Australia. Then I was working in Dublin then for nearly eight months, and then I decided enough was enough, so I went off to. Um, it was just a really wet wet summer and I said oh, I have enough of this so I just I would have lived in Boston he said why don't you come out here and I said I will so um, I went out to Boston then and again I love that so I came home then and I suppose after about six months of being home I started doing my own thing I started you know building the odd house and doing work for myself and I was employing a few guys but again they were good and I was you know I was getting really good jobs and stuff like that and then my wife she had a business in, in Mullingar doing, um, she was doing allergy testing and she had a lot of staff in there and we had an acupuncture working in there, staff, staff was his name, but he was um, a Russian guy. And I used to be in on a weekly basis. And um, now granted, at that time I was still smoking and I was smoking at 20, I'd never, like it was always 25 a day when I was home at 20 carols. And um, I was I was in my staff and used to be, I was giving out people smoking and, my leg used to swell up from it up on the roof, whatever used to be wrong with it. And he said, Oh, do you know, this this work is going to kill you, Ollie. And he said, You need to get out. And I saw, look at I just have to find the right way of getting out. And he says, But your wife needs help in here. And I kind of dismissed it, never thought any more about it. And a couple of months went by and I was back into stats again. He says, oh, he says um, you know, you're going to kill yourself at this work. No question. He says, You need to get out. And I said, Oh, soon enough. And you need to give up them cigarettes. And I said, Tomorrow. <laughs> You know, so it was only then, um, I suppose, 
I was actually having a glass of wine with Alma one night, and I said, you know, Stas keeps telling me I can get out of the building and I need to go and work on my tube. And she says, why don't you? You know, she says, the business is going really well. I really need a help in there, and maybe you can come in and help. So I just look at the way I thought about it, and I said, yeah, maybe it's just time to, or maybe now is the time to wrap things up and change, because we had um, we had some property anyway, so I was doing a bit of management on that. So so I did, and, you know, it went from a stage, I suppose, and bloody proud of what I'd done, you know, from literally not being able to switch on a computer at a certain extent to, you know, soon enough within, you know, I was um, optimizing websites and doing our own accounts, and we were doing, um, you know, designing even brochures and leaflets, and, you know, a friend again ended, and he used to be always saying, my God, you know, they're, you know, the, the transformation over your life is amazing, you know, what you can, so, you know, it, it doesn't take too long, and um, so then I suppose when I was in there, it was all sort of evolving around the seaweed then, you know, the seaweed idea came up, and that gave me the, you know, the time as well to start developing that, and the nutrition as well, so it all, it all fitted in, in nicely, and the fact that our daughter was, that I would have been probably 14, 13 years ago now, he that kind of changed over from the buildings to doing um, more an office office kind of a job. And oh God, like we've been like we really have been blessed over the years. Like even through all the recession, like our business have been really good. You know everything. You know we we were so so. You know I say just blessed and grateful. You know for all the you know we received over the years. It was just a miracle. Like because um, we bought a lot of property. And I actually done a course in between because obviously, like us all, we're doing with Pat and with everyone else, and you're always trying to better yourself that, that bit. But I done this business mastery mastery with John D. Martini, and I, I I really really admire his work. And he'd done this mastery workshop, and it was, I suppose, at the time you know when things are going really well and your borrowings are more, way more than your savings. Actually, all your borrowings, but you this property and you think you're a millionaire like and you're going on oh, so I remember when that John Martini goes oh so what's your what's your why you work and we're all there wasn't that it was a small enough group and everyone was saying oh work this and he came to me and I was saying oh yeah well I've done and sure that property is worth 600,000 and the home place and I said yeah probably worth about I think ah, 1.5 million and he said sorry you can write me a check for 1.5 million now can you and I said no and he says where's the 1.5 million and I said um in my property, oh no, what are you worth? And I said, what do you mean? How much money have you been in the bank? And I said, in savings, like uh, two or three grand. So you're worth three and a half, two, two and three grand. We're going to change that. So I put a structure in place then, and it was really, really, you know what I mean, simple about structure and savings. And I came home and I said, this is what we have to do. And that's what we've done. So, like, I suppose I didn't tell you, like, and I, I, was, I got into buying shares in Australia and I lost a ton of money over there. But um, with, um, with John Martini, it was starting off with the cushion, building it up, building it up, building it up. And it was just, it fit perfectly what I needed. So that's what it's time to look at. We need to set this in place. And that's what we've done. We structured everything up that we got three months of savings. She got three months of savings. We went up, we invested a little, invested a little. And you know, that was a safe and grace. And now look back and it's, I keep that going. And, and even our daughter now will say to her, look, you have to save 10% of your pocket money <laughs> and you have to get them out of charity. 
So, and um, because Gannett, like she got their pocket money and then she'll turn back more than for the saving her credit union account and she sent back for a bit for the charity. <laughs> so we, um, you know, but it's something that, you know, is saving, saving that, you know, for that rainy day, you know, and that, that really changed a lot for us, you know, because then we saved, a, we saved a lot of money and we were able to pay back then, lump sum then off our mortgages, get the mortgages under control. And it, it was just a really, really good, simple way of doing it, it was absolutely fantastic. I think it should be nearly taught in schools. The simplicity of it, you know, it's, it's one of them things. Really, Pete, that we probably all know it, but when someone actually says, "Look at," and I think that's what happens with people when they buy shares or get involved with anything that involves handing over money. If you don't have a cushion, and that's what John D. Martini taught us, like if if you're investing ten thousand in shares or ten thousand in something, and you don't have thirty thousand cushion in the bank you know that 10,000 can go to nothing but if you have the 30,000 in cash you know sitting in the bank and 10,000 invest in something else at least then you're not too worried about the 10,000 because you're saying well look at them 30 here and have that cushion so and that that's kind of what what you know people need to look at that you know because what happens in you know even in the boom times and that like people were buying houses after housing after houses and same with shares they're buying shares with borrowed money so if things go south, then you're just left with nothing. So it, it is about structure. And that, that, that was one of the, I suppose, the final moments for me in, in that respect, you know, that gave me... Um, well, what stage was that at, Ollie, that you started actually implementing that? Um, probably... It was soon after I sort of got into the office working at Amber, Amber Clinic in, in Mullingar here. So that about 14 years ago, maybe... 13, 10 yeah maybe 10 years ago i think it was and that's sort of post that's post recession and just really was it yeah it would have been just in the, the recession as long as was 14 i kind of always bring it back to Hannah the edge because um the recession definitely was in 10 years ago anyways so it was around that recessionary time anyways because even because i'd done it i wouldn't i would it would just no it wouldn't have been just it would have been this was the the tail end of the boom it would have been the tail end but wasn't it we wouldn't have been just in the recession at that stage like yeah so you're what so 2006 2007 ish yeah. so you're yeah, sort of 14 15 yeah. years yeah yeah exactly because i went into the, the recession you know the, just the year to fucking go by that quickly it's hard just to remember what but the, um, yeah that, that would have been around the time but it would have been the tail end of the recession yeah yeah but it, I mean, there's a great story there too. You know, it's you know, whilst the the years go by very quickly, I mean, sort of things that you implemented then, you know, are sort of well matured by now. You know, it's like, you know, that's that's life, though, isn't it? You sort of none of us realize how quickly things go, and and never underestimate the power of compounding too. That just, you know, set your stall out and and get yourself very clear in a strategy, and then therefore just follow it. You know, it's rinse until dead, basically. You know. And repeat, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, that's 100 that's it because to do, and you know, even it, it, exactly. And I think Pat will say it, you know, life's going to pass by, anyways. You know, then six months are going to go one way or the other, it's no no question about it, you know. So, you know, so you know, if you're putting away a few quid or whatever you're doing, you know what I mean, even if you're in a crappy job, you know, you're still going to be in six months if you don't um, make a change or set out some sort of a plan to. You know your get out clause 
you know, I think that's what they need to do. So then, I mean, you, you did you stay in the uh, in the clinic? So what what services was were were you offering at that time? We the had how um, about doing allergy testing? We had people in there with the therapeutic center, but so we had people doing massage, we had people doing acupuncture, we had a counselor in there. So it was all managing, you know, with a lot with, and then we had the hairdressers as well and beauticians. So we had at one stage, God, we nearly, I think at the maximum, we had close to 20 people. We had part-time staff as well. And there was obviously in that industry, there was, you know, there's only three or four fellas working in it. And so like there was a lot of, um, it, was, it was a brilliant business. Like it was really, really good. Like we had, like we'd done them, we had the building there ourselves. So we, we, and then we opened up a clothes shop as well in one of the buildings as well. Which was um, a lady's fashion shop, which, which went well enough. But again, the recession hit it really hard, and we just had to close it. So then we the hairdresser, and that again was going quite well. It was a lot of staff in there, lots of women, lots of fun. And um, but then at the end, then I suppose like Alma's job was quite stressful, so we had to look at, you know, things again. So we decided, well, look at, let's look at the book. So we decided that. You know, let's just rent out the hairdressers, get rid of the staff, and really, really thin things out. Because then, and that's what we did. So we we just downsized everything, and slowly but surely, you know, I said, look at, you know, the hairdresser there rented out, the guys rented out the rooms, and then, you know, the therapist rented out the rooms they had, and that that was all fine, and it was going good for a while. You know, we moved them um, the clinic somewhere else in Mullingar, smaller premises. And I was going grand, but then obviously the recession was really hitting and they all had no work to do. So then I had two empty units in Mullingar, then commercial units and I wanted to rent. I saw we could call in, see them and, you know, they had an old building, and, you know, yourself from the property thing. So I said, enough of this. So I rang a mate of mine. I said, what are you doing Monday? And he says, um, I said, call around to Springfield and bring your man with you. So call around to Springfield and Within two weeks, we had two two-bedroom apartments. <laughs> we converted converted them, and we had them rented by the end of the month. So it was happy days. <laughs> so um, that was that. So I just went in. I had to do something with it because there was no way. Because even I renting rooms and renting it out, and you get one person in for a week, giving you hundred euros. She wasn't paying the mortgage, and mortgage we still had a high mortgage on it. So we put them into apartments and um, never looked back. Never looked back since doing it. Like it was just it was very good. It was the best decision. And we even had an old storeroom out the back and it just made a little one bedroom apartment. Because, you know, when we're at it now, we'll stick that and we'll put a little ensuite on it. And it was just a great move. It was a great move. Isn't it yeah. funny it how it's... Because, I mean, then because even... Yeah. I was just saying there, I mean, how you have, um, you know, either a change in strategy or, or you know, sometimes hard things can happen but actually when you're decisive or you you take a step forward then actually good things you know sometimes bad things have to happen so good things can come you know good things can come through absolutely absolutely yeah. and I, like even the hairdresser is still in there and you know then fortunately the girl is renting that and i just know sooner or later you know she's going to um her business just won't she'll, she'll end up moving out of there as well but i don't mind you know and i just keep saying you know you have to do what you have to do for your own business but you know, I just, I just see it as two apartments now, you know, 
that's all every time I'm passing, I just ask two apartments and they're for me and sort it out, you know, and I just go in and do the same thing again. And mm. it's happened that, you know, now I'm just looking down the road, you know, if the eventuality that does happen, I'm not going to panic and I know what to do with it. And I think you learn that with a bit of experience as well. Yeah, it's it's a good it's it's a good way to have it too, you know, to have that you know, that asset bank, but also, you know, from and that's you know a lot of hard work and you know, a lot of time invested in savings and all the rest to, to, to actually put that strategy in place, which now it seems affords you to be able to, you know, grow your own vegetables and do so much more and, and you know, invest in yourself more and more. That's what's coming across. Is that is that a fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But look, we, we like it, like since lockdown, like it's like we've been, I would really say last night, we, we haven't lifted our heads. Like we've just been so, so busy. With the seaweed and with Alma's business, like, like we, we work very hard for what you know everything we have, and it is as well. The business has given us that little bit of extra lifestyle, yes. Like, if I was going up and down to Dublin now working on the buildings, would I have as much time to do the things I want to do? Probably definitely not. You know, I'd probably still have a certain amount of vegetables, and but I wouldn't have it to the extent that I have it. I don't think anyway, because you do work on more Saturdays and. A lot more stress so definitely 100 i think you're right it has you know afforded us that lifestyle hmm. no it's it's a great way to be so what to take us in then through to you know the, the, the seaweed business i mean it sounds like it, it it started off as a need for you personally and then it sort of grew from yeah. there if i've understood that correctly it is that's exactly it yeah because i don't and i have that still thing in me like i don't have anything i don't promote any product unless i use it myself like i people that often say oh stock this product and sell it very well nice brilliant look it's sent in to me i'll try it and um if i don't like it myself i definitely won't promote it as simple as that so everything like the seaweed business yeah it's like anything now what we're doing is developing our own products as well like so we've developed this um i developed this green fly killer it's an actual green fly killer with this brilliant root dip it's a root booster I'm getting really, really good results with it as well. That um, anyone sent it out, find that before the transplant, the plant to put into this solution first, and really the difference it's making for that transplant shock. When you know, because you transplant a, shock, a plant from a, into the ground, the soil is obviously going to be colder, and there's different nutrients in there, so it's going to get a bit of a shock. So this this root booster really undoes that and just lets the plant thrive a lot better. So and on that then, you know, you'd have more roots and more shoots and more fruits. That's kind of basically the slogan of that one. But so we we started to develop that one and then we have a tomato feed and we've lots of things, even for people with horses and that we've, you know, seaweed for horses, pet supplements, we have garlic and seaweed mix for horses, and there's all stuff I do myself, like and I get the blends and I keep testing and trying it because I was doing a tomato feed this year, a new one. And um I've been playing around with it and I've been feeding half my plants with this solution and half the plants with the other one. And I was getting towards the end of the year and I said, oh God, this is not what the heck. And I said, Jesus, I'm getting no fruit in this. And I was kind of getting panicking. I was joking down and I was every morning, nearly twice a day, it's, what's going on with these plants? And, and I just said, relax, it'll all be fine. It'll all be fine. And God, I've never got it. I can't even see my Facebook pages are just buckets and buckets and buckets of tomatoes. Like, I could sell them and just giving them away now at this stage because the freezers full of them. But um, and you know, it's really again because I'm just putting that effort into the products and um, and the course as well because I want to you know I started doing the courses then 
design developing them you know because it can teach a complete beginner how to do it and we kind of developed them under as i said the brand grow your own nutrition because you know i do believe you know in life my journey it's nutrition health and fitness you know you can't have fitness health or you can't have health fitness you need the nutrition first that's going to promote the health and then the health and nutrition combined will give you the capability of getting fit because if you if you're fit and you're unhealthy sure it's a waste of time like like it's kind of even my my wife there like and she has one of them i think it's all negative blood it's rare blood group is the the one that used anyone can use the, the blood and she went in years ago and it used to be around I, I don't know much about the blood but she used to be around 11 12 on the readings and every time she goes in now to give blood they're always saying, god what are you eating it's gone up to 14 the last time she went in there only last week you one was saying your blood is absolutely amazing you know my husband grows all around broccoli spinach she's that 100 what it is so you know she and because of course she's getting encouraged to announce anything's in the garden <laughs> she'll eat it because you know it, it has that because it, it's 100 all all the nutrients that you should need it's not it's not been imported it's not been sprayed with some crazy freaking stuff to keep the pests and disease away like so that's that's it there. It's it is amazing, you know that that you know can make such a remarkable difference. It's it's fantastic, you know that 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 does it is to your benefit. Why? I mean, it's it's is it is it for you purely in terms of you know the adage the, the benefits of growing your own stuff? I mean, do you enjoy it as a process, or is it actually you enjoy the fruits of it, or, or what's what's your takeaway from it? Um, I love the whole journey of it. I love the whole journey of it, and I love learning more about it each time. So I, you know, I, I love putting in the plants, sowing the seeds, and then obviously the end is is obviously the reward, you know, because I have a little. Um, no, I do. I no, I, I, I every aspect of it, I just love it. I love being down there. Like I kind of do it. You know, heard is have routine. I go down like in the summertime. You're down there most evenings, but again, look at I go down there. I got the Fire and Belly podcast on, and my headphones down and freaking listen to a couple of podcasts and and it's a good day goes away and then even like this weekend i'll put in a new little patios into a new greenhouse i have and i was even went down to the day like, god that looks really good the light with that now you know and that sense of god you know just improving it every time and a little bit of expansion so i want to get I want to get some bees in next year and stuff like that and start to get a little bit more changing things around but you know the, the whole process from growing it to to cooking it you know because I, I love cooking anyways so it's um it's another passion of mine anyways so it did the whole process does it for me you know it doesn't then because some of the they get it off you know here in the kitchen table the daughter was like no you'd be you know it's something might go wrong you know, i'll have to move you out nice grand just put me into this one there i'll food you all year round <laughs> what uh you're saying you love cooking what's what's your go-to with the cooking um i love thai food Cook, um, I love a couple of lovely Thai food or I like Indian food and stuff like that. Um, that's um, if I was to cook now, if someone says, Look at it, I love cooking Thai and Indian. And I look at basically anything. I started, you know, homemade fish and chips as well. And, but I love doing things from scratch, you know, I buy all the herbs, the spices, and making up your own, even sauces and everything else. Like it just, again, it's the whole process of doing it and the satisfaction, you know. And I think, like, I think even back to the 
depression. And I remember we trained with a guy there with um, a nutrition company I work with, Professor Carla Rue, and he talks about how the gut talks to the brain, that your stomach develops serotonin, it goes up into the brain. I remember cooking this Indian meal one night. It was um, sort of a, a stew, and um, oh, it's beautiful. There was caramel and pods in it, and there's cinnamon sticks. And it was just, when you sat down, I remember eating it. It was so, so flavorful. And I sat down, I went, ah, that's the nicest, the sensation of all the, you know, it was just so nice that, you know, and, and you think, God, you know, and I think, oh, that was who I mean about, you know. The, and it was just really, really nice when you could sit back and you're after doing it from, from school. Crap. Because I see, look, and it passed like our little one there will make a like since I say two or three years ago, she she would make a Thai green curry from scratch, like no problem at all. And you know, it's uh, the competition is to you know, have to be better than that even at this stage, like so. <laughs> so and she does her own cooking, so you're passing that little bit of thing on as well. But I think the go to definitely, if you like if you're saying, um. I would definitely, you know, Thai fish curry. Like we're actually give up meat there probably near close enough to a year ago. So it's everything now we're cooking is more. Um, and again, the garden really helped with that as well because when we were doing it, like we weren't going to rush into it. And I just, uh, you know, we had a little family meeting, the three of us. And I said, look, Alana wanted to give up meat. And I said, well, look, we've been cutting it out slowly but surely. And I said, well, again, let me get my garden sorted because I want to put in more protein rich foods into the vegetables on to put in more peas, green beans, runner bean, stuff like that, that we can have more protein in our diet because we're going to be reducing down a protein source, which is your meat. So obviously, you know, you don't be like, you don't can't eat fish every day. So so that's what we've done. And I planned the garden around, <laughs> around and that's, I grew an abundant load of peas and beans and runner beans and everything this year. So their freezer full of it. Like we don't, like everything is frozen. So we just use it as we want then. Oh, that's uh, what's what's the one thing that you'd you'd love people to hear or take on board i mean what's 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 a key message for you um i think for for people that's both for them to take away you know i i think personally you know obviously you know not not do my business but you know find that happy place for you and, and i think anyone listening find find the real you and something to really float your boat you know and never give up and never stop looking for it and never stop looking for that person that can help you you know and it is you know it's easy not to you know try try anything i honestly believe just try and, and keep trying and, and just you know just keep doing it because you will you'll land you know you'll find that um you'll find that place that you belong i really believe that and don't give up keep at it keep at it that's what i mean do you when you when you look back into society, then you know. I mean, you you the sort of comes across as a very idyllic life, you know, with the, you know, with the, uh, you know, your investments are there, you know, and you have your own polytunnel on that side. You know, I'm sure some people would sort of very much see that as a good life. I mean, is that is that where you feel you're at right now? I mean, do you feel is that is that the sort of reward and where you feel you know most at home? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's me down to there. You know, it's like. You know, where I live, it's beautiful. Like we we thought of moving there a few years ago, but I you know, I I can run down to the lake there if I want, it's only a couple of kilometers away and you know, I can go out canoe and stand up paddleboard and I can roam work in the garden. Like, yeah, I you know, where we are at the minute, like we you know, I say life is life, but in general, like we have a really good life and you know, and you know, as I said, like lots of friends and we have lots, you know, we've lots going on. But 
I, I think where I'm at now is probably one of the better pits that I've ever been in my life, like for sure. You, you, you sort of fulfilling your potential? Do you think? Um, probably not. <laughs> I, um, I think I have a lot more to give. You know, I, I, I really, really, I think I, you know, I have a message I'd like to share with more people. You know what I mean? With, uh, you know, help maybe other people overcome. Like I still have a thing. No, I, I don't. Feel, I, I, I envision being on the late late show. I have that mind. That's for some. I just, I am going to be on it, but I'm going to be on it someday. So um, I will. And um, I want to do public speaking. It's a thing I've always had me had to do. You know, and it's um, obviously. The way things are at the minute, it's a little bit harder, but it's something I would like to do. So I think I have a lot more coming down the road, you know, because I'm, you know, the, the word I am, you have to get out of your comfort zone. And I remember at a talk one day, I honestly don't remember being in my comfort zone. But if it is a comfort zone, because, you know, my life evolved, you know, I'm always doing something different and, you know, I don't, I don't get sort of stuck in the same routine anyways. So and I was saying, um, more about you know looking for something, something new or, or something you know a new challenge. But no, I, I think like everyone else, look, there's definitely things that me. I choose. I'm not perfect. I need to improve on being, being more organised, and especially when you're working for yourself as well. Because you know, I, I think this is a message for people working for themselves. You know, because you think you can do it all yourself. But, you know, even the last couple of weeks now and months, and even since lockdown, I God, you know, I need help with this. You know, so now I reached out to someone to help me with my social media and I reached out, you know, it, it'll cost a few quid, but you have to do it, like, because otherwise you're spending a lot of time doing it, you know, and I'm in the group then with Pat and in the outstanding group, and, you know, you have to reach out to some people in there, and, you know, and, I, and I even, you know, back to what Pat had said, and maybe you'd often say it, you know, like, you have to invest in yourself first. You know, like, I, I do a meditation every morning, and, you know, even... My wife paid for this meditation course together, and um, we've done it with a nine-day course with um, this guy in America, and he's really good, Stephen Cohen. It was absolutely really nice, and it's a nice way. It's something just fit again. It fits with me. But she had says to a few more people, "Oh yeah, we're doing the math." Oh, I wouldn't pay for that. Like, you know, we were saying, "Well, you know, it works for us. Like, we're happy enough to pay for it because we're going to get the benefit out of it." Yeah, isn't it funny that? People always don't don't necessarily want to spend in themselves, you know, but yet you kind of go, well, theoretically, if you train you once in your lifetime, then that's you get the benefit of your entire life to, you know, to, to utilize those skills as opposed to buying a new car or something. Though people will generally do a car and you car fairly quick, but yet they won't spend it on a course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. but Jim Rowan said, you know, what what would a book on improving your life really cost you, you know? You know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's in uh, your, you know, you know, you're going to learn a couple of lessons out of it, you know. No, absolutely. So, what's a bit of a guilty pleasure for you then, Holly? Um, guilty pleasure. I, I love a glass of wine. Um, I love, I love relaxing with a beer. Friday nights, I love. I kind of have a routine on a Friday night. I obviously do the cooking on a Friday evening, most evenings, and um, most Friday evening, I like to have a couple of beers and relax, and then I go and. I go cycling in the mornings and the weekends and I like, like, like to chill out with a glass of wine. I don't mind getting the take, but again, because I like cooking, 
it's hard enough to ever fill that spot, you know, I was judging it and I said, oh, I could better myself, you know, so the guilty pleasure. I don't, I don't eat a lot of um, sweet stuff. That doesn't do me. I like a beer and I like a glass of wine just chilling out. That's what I, I like. I've been, been, in, been in time with the family as well. Sure. And what's coming up for you then in terms of, you know, development and new ideas and things like that? Have you more stuff coming down the pipeline? Um, launching this course, I mean, gardening course is next and I want a couple more sort of expand that as well if there's one there i've kind of been studying at the moment there is making your own you know what can now so now you've grown your own vegetables what else can you do with them you can eat them what can you do with the leftovers so you know there's loads of things you can do with you know sterilizing and home cleaners made out of the stuff you're you're growing in your own garden so i want to develop a little bit around that as well but that made it i wanted to concentrate and get this course up and running and get it recorded and getting it out there and just see see how that goes, you know, because that's that's something you can do international anyways, you know, that's not just mm. that's um, a great time for it too. Obviously, we're we're sort of our our um sort of traveling and, and our distance, you know, is, is sort of slightly restricted. So a great time to be learning to do a lot more gardening and see what's going on. Yeah, no, absolutely. People are, and I think that's one of the better better things that come out of lockdown that people are um getting more in tune with that side of things. Absolutely. I think that's, um, you know, it's great to see it because like, when you're in different Facebook groups there, like when the GII one there, and absolutely like great, really helpful. And, you know, people are passing on their knowledge and there's complete beginners in it. And people are able to see. So it's all, I think that's a good thing with social media as well. You know, people, it's, it's easier to find, you know, information, get help for what, what you need, you know, that whatever you're doing. So then, I mean, for you, what's in one or two words? What's what is your fire in the belly then? It's again, you know, I think at the start, you know, living a good life. That's I love. I love adventure. That's you know, and it's, I just I love freedom. Do you know what? Actually, I love freedom, Pete. I love being free and to do what I want. You know, I, I'm lucky. You know, I have a brilliant wife there. She, I could say, look at that, which I do like it. Go off and climb the mountain and do whatever. Like, and there's no problem at all. But I love the I love the sense of freedom of life. You know what I mean? That you know you can go off your own. You know that sense of it's, it's freedom. That's what gives me the fire in the belly of of living and just looking around and seeing the beauty. You know, I love I love what I do. I love the gardening as well. But for me personally, that's been alive and that does it for me. You know, someone says you know the harder part of the day putting the two feet on the the floor isn't it <laughs> no very very true it's it's um i'm not do you know what it's sometimes you realize that how lucky and fortunate people you know how lucky you are because some people just never sort of really find their groove or or their life is you know it's 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 a struggle for them you know and that's that's really really tough yeah you know, it, it is yeah you know i i, I believe that as well you know it's but you know, I, I think you have to have that yearning to to want a better or something, a better life or better whatever. You know, I think you just you know don't give up. I think that's for people. You know, just if you think if you think there's something out there, just go for it. You know, you don't have to pack in your second job around, but you can just slowly but surely explore different options because if you're not looking, you're not going to get the opportunities anyways. No, definitely. It sort of makes a makes a difference, you know, it's, it's going forward. So 
Cool. Well, listen, is there a final message you'd like to leave with people? And then by all means, you know, let's let's talk about your, you know, how people can get in contact with you. Um, look, I suppose the message for people that you know, it's definitely live true to you, be you, and you know, don't don't want to take life too serious because you know life ain't easy, it's not meant to be easy and it never will be easy. It hasn't been easy for our ancestors and it won't be easy for the people coming after. So, you know, enjoy it. I think getting out there and pick your moments, pick your battles. You know, if you can get out there and just breathe in the fresh air and just take five minutes, uh, say, my God, you know, it's nice life, you know, and then go back in here, you know, if you're in a stressful environment, because we all do it, you still have to go in and get the work done. So but I think if you can get out, take a breather, enjoy the life, you know, what's around you. And the simple things, Pete, you know, it doesn't have to be extravagant, you know, it doesn't have to be the fast cars and it doesn't have to be fancy holidays, it can be just a walk around the lake, like, you know, that can float people both, so, you know. But um, yeah, so people can get in contact with me. You know, if they're interested in, um, you know, if they're growing their own vegetables. Like, I love helping people, and that's you know, I do get loads of messages in. You know, and even from non-customers, you know, you know, what do I do with tomatoes? If a few there coming in this morning, you know, tomatoes they can't ripen. So our website is betterplants.e. It's www.betterplants.e, and Facebook page is betterplants.e, or just betterplants.e, and Twitter or not Twitter, um, Instagram is the same betterplants.e as well so yeah they're, they're the easiest way of getting in contact and going and just see um see what i think if there's something we can help you with we'd definitely love to and then um, you're into farming or gardener if you have any if people you know god i'd love to start growing your own vegetables where do i start just give us a ring we'll, we'll get you started no problems that's that's where we're at love it that's great i've learned learned more there about Everything from seaweeds to gardening to just general sort of uh, health and well-being. So, yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Ollie, it's been an absolute pleasure. Until the next time, I uh, I wish you all the best and, and thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Peter. Really appreciate it. I'm just going to get a screenshot now of this. So that, so I can... Perfect. Thanks so much, Peter. Really appreciate the opportunity and um, looking forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. You know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guests taking the time to share their personal journeys. And boy, boy, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So, all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.